Hello and welcome to the Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, with us here today, we've got Steve Carson, Peter Kenny-Jones, and I'm your host, Farrell Keeling. Uh, sadly, we didn't end the season quite the way we wanted to. A 1-0 defeat to Real Madrid, but in, in the context of the absolute horrific handling uh, of the major sporting event by French authorities and UEFA, it all doesn't really... I mean, it all sort of pales into significance, the result, doesn't it, Pete? Yeah, well, I think I'm kind of glad that we did lose it because I don't want to um, ever be able to look back at it and have a have a positive thought. Because you know, I really enjoyed Kiev and obviously I really enjoyed Madrid. And we've lost two of the three in recent years. We've been to, so I'm kind of glad that the, the one that we did win wasn't that one because it it, just, it didn't deserve it really. And I was I was saying on the way out to like my dad and the, my brother and the people we were with, but it's like that's that's the scoreline probably that our final deserved. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll. Both probably agree it wasn't uh, it wasn't the day that we thought it was going to be when we when we set off. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, it, it was it was horrible sort of reporting about it. I mean, I can't imagine what it was obviously like physically um, at the Stade de France. Certainly from the footage we've seen, it, it's. I, I mean, I mean, Steve, it, it's been said it's been said to death. But uh, I mean, I, I'm going to bring up some of the French Interior Minister's comments um, in retrospect about the poor handling of the event since the footage uh, we've all seen. Um, for, for instance, one one quote that uh, amongst many that sticks out: uh, Liverpool supporters pose a risk to our public. Not all of them but a portion of them, but uh, Gerald Darmanin made it very clear that he was talking about Liverpool fans specifically uh, posing a risk uh, in these sort of events, which, you know, after all that's been experienced after Hillsborough is, is frankly sickening. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's a form of discrimination at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, you know, whatever you take from the club's uh, unfortunate history, or even if you, I know that he's recently cited um, England fans travelling around, you know, d- different countries and sort of the hassle that they cause. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, there's there's countless videos, photos, and stuff of England fans. But I mean, you know, you can't really just bundle Liverpool fans in with that and just go, yeah, no, they're going to be problematic. You know, it's, you can't really expect that. And you know. It's, Real Madrid fans obviously experienced something similar as well, but it does seem that Liverpool fans got the brute of it. And, you know, it was quite a different experience from from, from what you both had, obviously. Um, Pete being at Paris, obviously, at, at the worst of it. But uh, you reporting on it, um, working. I, I was not working and was uh, actually in the Baltic uh, Triangle in Liverpool watching the game. And it was, it was uniquely strange watching it unfold with, with very little signal. On, uh, on my phone because it was such a crowded place. Uh, I was just informed that there was a 15-minute delay to kickoff, which, you know, obviously you, you raise your eyebrows and think, I wonder what's going on there. That, that seems a bit unusual, but, you know, whatever. Maybe there's just an issue with the performer or something like that. And then there was another 15-minute delay and you start to think to yourself, what's going on here? And then there's a, a thing that pops up saying that, you know, late delays and you're thinking, how, how many people have turned up late for the game? That just seems unrealistic and... And then it comes out that they're just, you know, they're just trying to blame the fans immediately. And you know, we've we've heard this kind of thing before, and it's just, it's it's just incredibly unfair. And you know, it, UEFA haven't even come out to apologise. I know that there's a, a report; they're going to be an independent report coming out in it. And you know, that's a step in the right direction. But it wouldn't be hard for UEFA to come out and say, 
Yeah, listen, I know we haven't really got the details yet, but we just want to apologise to anyone who, who experienced this, that, the other. You know, especially when you've got French politicians who are just lying through the teeth every single chance they get to speak about it. It's a, it's a disgrace, it's a shambles. And to be honest with you, like Pete said, there is a little bit of, you know, bittersweetness that we didn't win it because you wouldn't want to think, oh, yeah, when we won our seventh Champions League title. It was it was tied to all that, you know, nightmare scenes outside the stadium. It's it's a mess by UEFA and, you know, the decision makers in France have got a lot to answer for as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean I mean when we've got the absolute sheer body of evidence on display, you know, we, we you know, I, I, there's there's so much footage out there proving every accusation made against Liverpool fans. And this is, you know, the treatment of Liverpool fans, it's not, it's not endemic to Liverpool fans in the context of this final. Uh, Real Madrid fans also complained about, you know, overhanded sort of police activity, uh, use of tear gas and, and, and pepper spraying. And, you know, there's, there's so much in the way of footage of showing, you know, children at, at the games, you know, sort of furiously rubbing their eyes. And, you know, you can hear comments of them, you know, begging sort of be, to be taken home. And I mean, Pete, this is going to damage not, not just the generation of Liverpool fans who've gone already to several European finals, but those who are coming and, and, and who've experienced these tales from, you know, their parents and the grandparents, this is going to damage their, you know, their relationship with football going forward as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I, you know, I was there, as, as you both said, and it, it wasn't great. We we left the fan park. Obviously, the, the boss night thing was supposed to finish at five o'clock, so we got off at like half four to beat the queues and um, went, went to the tube, probably got, Around, it was probably around five o'clock, quarter past five, something like that. We got to the Stade de France train station. You know, the game kicks off at nine o'clock their time. So we got told the ground didn't even open till six. So we were there before it even was ready to go. And then by the time we had to eat and left, we probably started walking the 15 minute walk. It, it, I looked on my maps to the, to the station at quarter past six for the nine o'clock kickoff. And, you know, and as, as Steve said, they put the message out to say that we all arrived late was a joke. And, when you're in those massive queues and you could hear people shouting, you know, I feel like I'm back in the eighties and all getting treated like animals, it's disgusting. It was it was horrible and my dad was obviously was at Hillsborough was at High Sun and went through all the seventies and eighties and he was saying that this is just like being back in the day and you know, it it was just disgusting. You know, the police weren't saying anything, no one was saying anything, you had no idea what was going on and you're just watching the minutes tick by on your phone and you know, you, you don't leave that as long as we did before kick-off to go and just get in there just in time to watch them kicking off and whatever. You know what I mean? It's, you, you want to see the whole thing and you, you want to get passed through all the ticket checks and everything. It was just, yeah, it, it was horrible, really. And, you know, I said, we split up. There were six of us who went and I ended up here with my brother and his mate and they both said they'd never want to go to a final again. You know, and you, I was looking around and you see, like, kids crying and, like, grown, grown adults crying as well. And, you know, you've got to think, you know, Hillsborough was, was massive for a lot of people and you can't say that that, that person was crying because they were at that game or whatever. But, you know, those type of crowds and queues and everything, you can understand why they would, you know, be brought back to that moment. And even if it wasn't specifically that game happened in, in 89, you know, just being in those type of crowds were horrible for people and... I saw a young couple in front of us. They were both crying. My brother was crying. It was horrible. It actually was horrible. And we all just said, I don't care about the game anymore. It was mad because I was stood outside and, and I, still, I wrote the piece on it and I've said, I've, I'd hate to miss a second of any Liverpool game. It frustrates me and I feel like I'm missing out and whatever. And honestly, I, I thought I could miss the whole first half and it didn't even bother me. I just thought, I'm, I don't want to be queuing and getting crushed and whatever. I'll just wait for this to, to die down. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people never go to a game again after that because, you know, 
it definitely tested a lot of people's patience and, and what you'd expect, as you say, this is supposed to be the biggest game in, in football. How can they get it so wrong? And yeah, it was just it was horrible. And as I said before, I'm, I'm kind of glad we haven't got that seven European Cup from it because yeah, I'm happy to just forget about that one and, and go again next season. It, it would massively taint uh, the memory. To, I think you know certainly you, you mentioned uh, the piece you wrote. It can be found on Empire the Cop, the uh, UK. Uh, very well worth a read from obviously our very own Peter Kelly Jones at the Sad de France. Um, we, we've had, fortunately, we've also had fans come forward to share their accounts uh, from the day. Um, that can also be found on our stuff. Thanks again to all who came forward to share their accounts. We're extremely grateful for that. And um, we're, we're we're glad so many escaped um, un, unharmed uh, from the event. Uh, but yes, hopefully, I mean, again, we, we sort of go back to the footage and it's important we focus on that because the reality of it in, in the day of social media, um, it, it's there for all to see. And it's it's so clear that you know that there's a united front, not just amongst you know fans, there's amongst journalists. Obviously, we've had some very unfortunate comments from rival fans in terms of point scoring, which is inexcusable. But thankfully, a lot of that is being called out uh, by journalists, not journalists, not just journalists uh, within Merseyside, but also in the national uh, papers outside the city, uh, which is important to see. And it's, it's important that we we do maintain this sort of air of transparency. Um, Moving forward, I know it's going to be extremely difficult to sort of talk about this in the context of you know what so many have witnessed at the game and watching it outside uh, of Paris. Um, but we, it's, we, we should talk about Liverpool's season um, as a whole because you know, uh, look, look, looking, you, you'd imagine coming back off the, off the back of such a horrible event, you know, the, the mood would be quite sort of low. Um, but I mean, the scenes, the, the parade. You know, Steve, you know, from the players to the managers and just the fans. I mean, it was Klopp said it at the time, said it's absolutely incredible. You just wouldn't get it with another fan base. You know, that, that such a hero's welcome off, off the back of, you know, such, such, such misery. It, it just speaks volumes about what this fan base is about. Yeah, well, you know, Liverpool City Council estimate that half a million people turned out uh, for the parade. And when you consider that, you know, there was probably a good. Maybe even a hundred thousand that would have travelled to Paris, you know, um, just to you know uh, soak up the atmosphere. Obviously, not 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 attending the game and stuff like that. That's it's 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 incredible that you had that sort of turnout. Because I was a little bit worried um, that there was going to be a bit of a, like, like a lot of people worried as well. There'd be a little bit of a you know a smaller turnout than maybe we expected. I was saying to a couple of friends of mine that I think, you know, maybe 300, 350,000 people might turn up to this, you know, which is a bit of a whimper compared to the 750,000 for the for the Champions League three years ago. But incredible. Uh, if You know, the, the scenes were, were unbelievable. And I was down by uh, the lava building on the Strand um, to sort of, you know, see, see the team bus uh, come through and, the lads were still in just unbelievable spirits. You know, Jürgen looked uh, just emotionally sort of, ex- not not exhausted, that's not really the word, but he was just sort of like drenched in emotion. It was it was amazing to see him like that. Players were dancing. You had Trent was just sort of chanting away with the, with the music and you're thinking, you know, these lads have been on this coach now for about three, four hours. Um, and they're still in these really good spirits, and it was it was just great to see because obviously the you know all the shambles that happened at the stadium aside, you know it's very disappointing uh, to come away from that game 
uh, without the trophy. No doubt the players uh, would have wanted to bring that back again. Uh, but they won two trophies uh, this year, uh, three, uh, if obviously we include the, the women's team, which we absolutely should do, three huge trophies uh, that they had to show off the people to, to the people of Liverpool. It was just, yeah, it's a, it was an incredible season. I mean, not many teams uh, in history have ever came as close to the quadruple in the in the Premier League or the English League uh, as as Liverpool did. Um, you know, and you know there was a good few weeks this season where it it looked very very possible that we could have won all four, and we came very very close. You know, we're probably talking two goals would have been the difference for us in the end. You know, take that final on penalties, but. It is what it is. It was a great season. The parade was phenomenal and it was just, it was exactly what the players needed. And, you know, a lot of them have came out in interviews and on social media saying that, you know, they they love that sort of feeling that they've got from the fans. And that's what Liverpool Football Club is all about. And, you know, these hearsay, these people that are coming out, you know, particularly Everton, Manchester United, Man City, who just have got no right to speak on sort of how Liverpool celebrate their season. You know, Manchester United, it's been about five years since they've won a relevant trophy. It's been, you know, it faddled you in even born when uh, Everton last won a trophy. Uh, Manchester City, they won the Premier League title. Another parade that lasted five minutes and had about 200,000 people out. Liverpool Football Club were a different breed and that's just the way it is and you know the supporters are phenomenal the players love it and it's it's brilliant it, it, it really has put a positive spin on something that was so negative the day before No I couldn't, couldn't have possibly said that better myself really I mean you, you mentioned the players and certainly it's worth reviewing the impact they've had this season because fundamentally across a 63 game season I know so much is said of well you know you won the two cups you have via penalties and you, you, you lost the two major finals, uh, 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 well, the one major final of the season and, and lost the league by a point. But I mean, Pete, we're talking a 63-game season and, and whether, regardless of how rival fans value, you know, the League Cup and FA Cup, and I know comments were made, well, Jürgen Klopp doesn't even value the Cups, you know, he'd take the Premier League and Champions League in a heartbeat. But, you know, we, we've won every trophy we could possibly win under Jürgen Klopp. You know, we've done this over a 63-game season. It's it's a phenomenal achievement, and regardless of the fact of how close we come, how close we come is further evidence of how phenomenal the season is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I think we all knew that, didn't we? We obviously you say this before the FA Cup final. We said, you know, if you end up with just a League Cup, is it a good season? But I think we were entered into four competitions this year, and we came second in two, and won the other two. Obviously, coming second doesn't feel great, and now as we can see from. And this isn't a slide dig. We can see from Everton coming 16th probably feels better than coming second sometimes because you'd avoid the drop. There's something to celebrate. Obviously, at the end of the season, we were a bit, you know, you left a bit of a sucker punch, really. But I think if you look at all those, everything we had on offer, we played every single game. We only lost four of them. I really don't think you can count the Inter Milan game as a loss because we, you know, we had to go win. You know, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, you've got to be proud of them because, Next season, it could happen. We could get Van Dijk injured and, and someone else injured at the start, and it could be like it was last season or the season before this one. And you know, we could have injury problems. You never know what's going to happen again. And as Trent said, you never know where you're going to win another trophy. We could easily come second in the Premier League Champions League next year. It'll still be a good season again, but we won't have any silverware from it. So, you know, whenever you lift a trophy, you should be able to get that tour around the city. And you know, I think. From from ourselves, we were on our coach back at the time. We were all thinking, oh, maybe no one's going to turn up. And when you see the pictures and videos, 
you know, that'll definitely drive them on. Anyone who has a slight doubt saying, oh, maybe it's time for me to leave, you know, we've done so much at the moment. When you see that, you just think, I want to win another trophy here next year. I want to be celebrating with these fans. And you know, it, it has been a good season. We all know it has. And it's just the way it ended wasn't perfect. But, you know, if you take off those last two games, <laughs> we even won one of the last two. If you take off them two, we were absolutely flying. So it shouldn't change at all, really. We've won both domestic cups, won the first FA Cup for, for most of the players. Cops won everything. We were a point off in the league and a goal off in the Champions League final. So, yeah, we'll go again next year and there's no reason why we can't be in the running for all four again. No, absolutely. I mean, we've obviously had some sort of key players that are going to be potentially heading um, out of the door. You know, Divock Origi, uh, the greatest super sub of all time, arguably, um, (laughs) will be heading to AC Milan. And, of course, the big one, I mean, you know, We've all heard this news, sadly, which is, of course, the links between Sadio Mane and Bayern Munich. He's reportedly on his way out. Um, various reports have him having either agreed terms with Bayern Munich for three years. Others say, you know, negotiations haven't quite got as far, though the intention to leave is there. I, I mean, Steve, looking at sort of the players we've got coming out, you know, we could be tempted to sort of lose hope about any potential chances of producing another magnificent season. But then you look at sort of the players that we've also got in the squad that we brought in recently, you know, Luis Diaz and uh, Ibrahim, Ibrahim Kanate, of course, m- most recently from the last, uh, from January and the, the summer transfer window last year. Uh, I mean, Trent, Trent was giggling when talking about, you know, the ability of Kanate at, at the bus trophy parade. And, you know, it's, I mean, I think we can forget just... Uh, I mean, the one thing I do remember sort of quite clearly uh, from the Champions League, from, from the actual game itself, was pretty much how good um, I- Ibrahim Kanate was on the night. Uh, and I think we can certainly be optimistic about sort of uh, Liverpool's, where Liverpool are going as a club. Yeah, we're in a fantastic position, you know, and it's all down to Jurgen Klopp and his team that, 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 that you know, getting us there. And yeah, just to touch on Canate there, uh, as I say, I, I was watching the game in uh, the Baltic market in Liverpool. And um, yeah, it, it, there was a few times throughout the game, but obviously, you know, the, the, the crowd got a bit lively, you know, Salah's chance, Mane's chance, you know, stuff like that. But I distinctly remember... A, good number of times everyone just shouting Ibu's name uh, because he was putting in these world-class tackles and it was just it was part of the highlight of the game really for us and you know he was phenomenal and you know his record at the club speaks for itself it is you know you consider his age as well it's it's an he's an unbelievable football and I think for Trent to be sort of giggling about Conate's uh, ability, that speaks for itself as well, to be honest with you. He's an unbelievable footballer and he's uh, training alongside Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Joe Gomez. You know, he's he's going to become, he already is a world beater, uh, but he's going to become even better uh, alongside Virgil van Dijk. And what a gem we found there. Um, but I mean, yeah. It's it is difficult looking at Sadio Mane and David Carigi and thinking you know the, these these players who have been so important to us over the years uh, are now going to be you know on the way out. Obviously, Mane is not exactly confirmed yet. That could you know end up not coming true. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it looks pretty in stone that Mane is getting off. Like you say, we've we've got Diaz. Uh, he's he's a phenomenal player. He's been brilliant, and you've got to think he's now going to get a full pre-season in with Liverpool. Uh, he's only had you know half a season with the club. Uh, he's going to get more time to gel with Salah, to gel with Bobby and Jota and the midfielders. He's only going to get better, uh, just like uh, Canate. It's we've got an unbelievable footballer. 
you know, he's he, he's a good age. Uh, he could he could definitely improve at Liverpool, which is a scary thought for the rest of the Premier League and the rest of Europe. You know, it's just it's an unbelievable time, really, that we can you know lose a player potentially like uh, Sadio Mane and not be too worried uh, in terms of uh, pure you know reaction to him potentially even going to Bayern Munich. I, I, I don't really hold any animosity towards him uh, in, in that respect. I, I don't really think that would be the right thing uh, to be feeling right now. He's came to the club. He was the he was the man that kick-started Klopp's revolution at Liverpool. You know, he's been unbelievable for us. He's won everything you could possibly want to win at Liverpool. He's completed football at Anfield. And if he wants to now go on uh, and try something else, maybe in Germany, you know, fair play to him, world-class footballer, walking legend of the club. And, you know, we've got Diaz, we've got Salah, fingers crossed, we've got Jota, you know, we'll be, we've got Firmino, you know, we'll be fine. You know, uh, hopefully we'll get a new signing in the summer as well. If, if if Mane goes, I would like to see us maybe bring in a bit of a plan B type player. I've seen uh, reports of Harry Kane. Whatever you think of that, that sort of profile of the player, though, is not something we have at the minute. So it would be nice to see what we do in the summer in regards to that. But, you know, the main thing is uh, Mane and Origi, uh, they both leave the club this summer. They both leave the club walking legends. And should they ever want to return, uh, be it just to visit, friendly, maybe a twilight year like Thierry Henry uh, for Arsenal, then, you know, the doors will be wide open for them to, to come back to the club. They are living legends and we've got nothing but love for them. No, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the summer window there, and I think there is some definitely some business there to be done for Liverpool. Obviously, the understanding is that we're pursuing Calvin Ramsey's potential cover for Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I want to specifically focus on the forward line because in Sadio Mane, you have a world-class forward, you know, regardless, 30 years of age, regardless of how we sort of look towards uh, the future of maintaining a sort of nice average age in the squad, we are losing a world-class player uh, there. So the question has been for many in terms of what what do we do to replace that? Uh, because Liverpool are unlikely to go out into the market and bring in another 28 to 29-year-old in their peak years and just slot them straight into the squad. It's not really the way Liverpool do business and have done business in recent times. Um, you look at sort of obviously... Fabio Carvalho, Pete, and you know that's a player that I think many of us sort of anticipated would be utilised mainly in the middle of the park. Um, but our understanding is is that the intention is to use him more in the forward line, and obviously he's he's a player that sort of excels down the left flank. Now, of course, you're not going to probably not going to see him unseat Luis Diaz, certainly not if he maintains his form into the next season. Um, and and then you're looking sort of at the, the options we've got available, you know. You've got Diogo Jota and Bobby Firmino down the middle, uh, Mo Salah. I mean, the, the right flank is probably one area we could definitely use some, some cover. Um, but do you, do you think sort of now that, you know, if Mane is, is sort of out of the door, you're sort of probably thinking that Fabio Cavallo is is the, the cover, really, on, on the left flank now? Well, possibly, you know, we, we know the club moved hard to get him in January. Obviously, it didn't work, but we managed to do some business behind the scenes and, and got it done in the summer. You know, it, as we said, we've seen the same type of reports to say he, he looks like he is going to be a first-team player. I know I, I, you can't forget Minamino either. You know, I think we're looking at his stats, the, game he, the games he started. I mean, what is it, 10 goals from 11 shots on target last season. And, you know, he he, he always looks like a threat. And with the five subs again now, I think he, he could be someone who gets a lot more game time. And as you say, if we if we are ruling Mane out, then you've probably got what, Firmino, 
Jota, Salah, him, Diaz, Minamino, not too bad. And then you've got Carvalho to put in. We know he's played Oxley Chamberlain in there. I don't know what's going to happen with him. We know Harvey Elliott can play there, whether he'll stay midfield or not. And we've got Carvalho as well. So it's definitely not a terrible situation. And, you know, obviously, if we do get rid of Mane, it will have to be for money this season. So we would expect to get someone else here. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think we will probably get a forward in and probably a midfielder because that seems to be what the club is looking at. And then possibly the. Um, Having sorry, possibly having you know someone else who said that right back coming in as well. It's going to be adding a bit of cover and it's just yeah, making sure we're ready to go again because this team's shown that we can play stupid amounts of games and you know and you know we can we will need cover in every single position. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens if 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 Mane does go. We'll see where he goes and 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 see what goes on. But yeah, it's going to be um, an interesting summer and probably a long one because there's a lot of players that could go out as much as in. It's normally you just see every every man this dog's linked with us, but there could be about five players going out. So um, yeah, let's let's see what happens and hopefully we we have a, a good summer. And everyone always gets excited with a few signings and and yeah, we might have a new team come come August. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's always the way with Liverpool Football Club, especially of late. I mean, the club is very tight-lipped about its business. And obviously, as fans, that's fantastic. That's the way a football club should be run. Um, as journalists, it, it does make life somewhat a bit more difficult. And of course, you know, historically, we've seen that 99, roughly 99% of the players that have been linked to the Liverpool Football Club in recent windows don't end up anywhere near Merseyside. Maybe at the Blues, but not Liverpool. Um I mean, we've we, I mean, Steve. You've had a, you brought up Harry Kane. Obviously, there's been prior links uh, to him. We've had a comment there from uh, David uh, Damont. Apologies if I mispronounced that. Uh, I would not want to see Harry Kane Liverpool. Rather have Son. Uh, Kane is injury prone. Uh, Dosky, presumably Lewandowski, uh, is a good choice. It, it, I mean, uh, it's unlikely, <laughs> though, isn't it, that we're going to see a major a player you know around the sort of 30 year mark um i think kane is at 28 unless i'm horrifically mistaken um it's it's unlikely that we're going to see that happen at Liverpool football club it's probably going to be around the the 20 to 24 maybe 25 uh, age mark isn't it in terms of player we might pursue but is there a chance that we don't bring anyone in the forward line now that now that uh, fabio cavallo has been sort of uh, tipped for to be used within the forward line, I think it's possible we don't sign anybody. Um, I think that's that's a definite possibility. Um, you know, you look at Luis Diaz, and you know, if if we hadn't been rushed into signing Diaz, and you know, Sadio now came and said that he's you know I'm leaving, and he gets off to buy, and then we bring in Diaz, you'd go ah, well there's your there's your Sadio Mane replacement right there. And then he starts performing the way he has done over the last few months. And you go, yeah, what a sign he's been. Um, so, you know, the argument could be made there that we've already got Mane's replacement in Diaz, if you like. Um, but that being said, uh, Mane has been used in a slightly different position since Diaz's arrival. Whether that um, was, you know, just a way of forcing uh, Diaz, Mane and Salah into one team or not is, is one thing or another. Um We'll have to see what, what Klopp's got planned there. But yeah, Carvalho getting added to the mix, not bad. Um, you know, Arigi out the door. Um, but as as Pete pointed out, you know, uh, Taki's been really good for us in the Cups. Uh, if, if he's happy to remain at the club with the, you know, limited football he's been given, 
great because he's probably going to get more chances going forward and you know he's, he's shown that he can be that sort of a Riki type of player where he could come in and just sort of offer something a little bit different um to touch on the idea of bringing in a sort of olderish player like Harry Kane or or Dosky uh, Lewandowski um I think you know it's it's not outside the realms of impossibility because if you look at the way we signed Thiago, a lot of people, a lot of pundits were saying that you know it's just not a Liverpool type transfer, and I agreed. It it, it did not fit the profile of players you've signed in the past. We've always gone for that, you know, roughly below twenty five, up and coming, about to break into that world class um, bracket. We've always gone for that, but. Thiago broke that mould uh, and he's, he's proven to be a, a very shrewd signer for the money that we paid for him. So it's not impossible. Harry Kane, I would say, is is really unlikely because we'd have to pay a premium price for what is already a premium footballer. We just simply aren't going to fork out the money, I think, Spurs would demand for Harry Kane unless we were able to sort of force him on some free transfer further down the line. But it just it just doesn't make sense. Um, Lewandowski, you know, um, yeah, yeah, I'd say there's a bit more of a possibility there. Uh, you know, I think we could probably get him for, you know, a, a decent enough deal uh, going forward in terms of, um, you know, when you've got to consider the wage bracket of the club and stuff like that and the structure that we've got. I think we, I think he could fit in quite nicely, but I do think that is a bit more of a FIFA type transfer. It's a bit more of one that you'd get from a video game. You know, it's yeah, go out and get Lewandowski, but it, it's never really that easy in practice. Um, I like the look. It's not really been discussed much because I think it's it's pretty much uh, settled that uh, Paulo Dybala might go elsewhere. But I think Paulo Dybala would be you know an option. He's he's a bit versatile. Could play anywhere in the front three and indeed midfield as well. But you know, there's options out there. And as I said before, I think we do need that sort of plan B type player because we've struggled. Like, we, we don't struggle to create chances, but there's been a few times that we've struggled to finish our chances. And I think we need to be able to bring someone off the bench, someone who's a bit more of a battering ram than what we've got at the minute. Just a big lad off the bench, a Lewandowski, a Kane type, who can just come on. Trent just pings a ball into him. It lands on his head and goes in the box. We've had it before with the likes of Andy Carroll, Christian Benteke. But I think this team could do with that plan B. Um, someone like Lewandowski could work. But, I mean, as I can say, that, that just seems like a bit of a fantasy. But you never know. Thiago did seem like a bit of a fantasy too. Now, it's interesting when you say about the crosses. I mean, there's, there's been at least... A handful of games this season where the simple side has, um, and it's a rare occasion, but where it's run out of ideas and starts sort of aimlessly, as you say, pinging those crosses into the box. And you know, you just think, oh, you know, if we had a, as you say, a, a Carol or so, someone, someone better suited to the club as a plan B, um, you, th- <laughs> you think that 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 plan would work a bit better. Um, but yes, I, I, I think it, it, it's set to be an interesting sort of summer window. We will see signings. We'll likely see Calvin Ramsey um, and potentially two more. Um, I think the forward line and the midfield, the midfield in particular, uh, has been identified as a key area that Liverpool need to invest in. So many people calling uh, for Jude Bellingham, but the likelihood, as we understand it, is that he will not arrive this summer and that we'll push harder for it in the summer of 2023. Until that point, and I couldn't think of a better way to conclude uh, this podcast. I believe, Pete, you have a quiz for us. And here we 
Claro. Yes, we are back. As a most people here all have been lucky enough to be on my coach to Paris, which had a 408-pointer quiz, where it, it took us all the way to Paris and back. But don't worry, I'm not asking you 408 questions today. It's only 10. So, um, basically, it's just a, it's a higher or lower round. So, I just need you to both answer at the same time. You just pick a person's name. You'll see what it is. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really matter. There's no one who goes first. So, it's just straight off. First, out of 10. So, I'll give you a little... Yes, so I want you to say it after each other. Let me know when you've got an answer. So you're just going to tell me which is higher. So question one is the appearance was made by Alberto Aquilani for Liverpool or the goal scored by Jamie Carragher. So let me know when you've got an answer and you can answer Aquilani. at the same time. Aquilani. You're supposed to be saying at the same time, Steve. Don't be oh, the <laughs> wait, wait. So you're both going to answer at the same time. So you, you'll both get a thing. Right. Have you got a piece of paper? Are you going to clear us in? Are you going to clear us in? Have you got a piece of paper? That might be easier. If you just write on yeah, the paper right. or something. Because okay. the okay. delay on the thing might not work. So write it nice and clear. Or maybe just do a letter. So do A for Aquilani, B for Canada. You can do A or B every time. So maybe just write a big A and a big B. All right. Okay, so A is Aquilani, B is Canada. Please hold up your answers. Where's the camera? A, A. Both correct. Point each. Okay, so get a get a big A and a big B ready. That's all you want. So, <laughs> question number two: Is it, the the appearances made for Liverpool by Alex Manninger or the games as captain for Liverpool by Ricky Lambert? So, A for Alex Manninger, B for Ricky Lambert. Could you repeat that again, please? So, appear this this all for Liverpool. So, I keep saying for Liverpool every time, but it's Alex <clears throat> Manninger's appearances or Ricky Lambert's games as captain, or everything is just for Liverpool FC. Oh my oh. god! Okay, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think I've got so it. A for Manninger, B for Lambert. Let me know when you've got. Oh one. my god! I'm ready. Okay. Ready, Farrell? Yeah, ready. Please reveal yourself. B, correct. Alex Manninger not making official appearance. Ricky Lambert <laughs> with one. There we go. Next question: The appearances made by Billy Liddle or the goal scored by Ian Rush. So Billy Little is A, Ian Rush is B. So goals by Oof. Billy Little. Sorry, appearances by Billy Little or goals by Ian Rush. And while you're thinking, if anyone wants a nice book about Billy Little, I know a great one Go on Amazon, <laughs> Little at 100. Are you ready? It's going to be really awkward goals. if I get this wrong. I've read, I've read this. It's all right. There's no stats-based book, don't worry. Let me know when you've got one. Okay. I've got my answer. Yeah, yeah. Wait, thank you. Okay, so A for Little, B for Rush. Please yeah. reveal your answers. A, B, oh, it's your first split. And I can reveal that Farrell is correct. <laughs> so Billy Little oh. made five, 534 appearances and Ian Rush scored 346 goals. Is that right? Did you say that? Did I get that wrong? Did you have A and B up then, yeah? I'd be. Ah, it's the wrong way around. Sorry, Steve's right. Farrell's wrong. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, was, I was thinking that. Uh, Chris Cross then. Sorry, 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 sorry. God, I'm, I'm losing my job on ITV2 rapidly. Here. There we go. Okay, so the score is 3 to Steve, 2 to Farrell. Okay. Oh, question number four. The game's managed by Ronnie Moran during his caretaker spell or the goal scored by Robbie Fowler in his second spell at Anfield. So game's managed by Ronnie Ooh. Moran, A, Goal scored by Fowler in his second spell, B. 
Okay. Yeah, I've got that. I think I've, I think I've got that, yeah. Okay, come on, let's have a look. Steve's gone A, Farrell's gone B. So A was games managed by Ronnie Moran, which was 10. And B was goals scored by Robbie Fowler in a second spell, which was 12. So oh, Fowler gets the points. Believing. To so me all, oh, it's going to be more tense in here. Question number five. A is red cards for Stephen Gerrard, and B is goals scored by Igor Biscap. <laughs> so A, red cards, Gerrard, B, goals scored by Biscan. Oh, oh, that's tough, isn't it? He was a little feisty one, Stevie, only to be fair, though. He's had nice that's goals. Here, isn't goals. How many reds did he get, though? Can't, he can't have got... No, nah, I can't have... Oh, okay, I think, <laughs> I think I've got mine. Okay, finally, you ready? Yeah, I've got mine as well, yeah. Okay, let's have a look. Steve's gone B, Farrell's gone B. So, red cards for Steven Gerrard was seven. Goal scored by Igor Biscam was three. So, you were both wrong. It was A, Oh, Steven my Gerard. word. It's impressive, isn't it? Okay, I think you both get the next one. Question six. The fee received for Fernando Torres or the fee spent on Naby Keita? Obviously, it's just for Liverpool. The transfers from when they got them. So, fee received... This is according to LFChistory.net, so please do not come at me if you think these facts are wrong. What was what was second for it? It was Kaito. So second, A right? is the fee received for Fernando Torres, and B is the fee spent on Naby Keita. Okay, I think I've got that. According to LFC.net, LFChistory.net. Please don't blame me. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. ready? Yeah, I'm ready yeah. too. Yeah. Let's yeah. have a look. Get them out. B, B. So the fee received for Fernando Torres was fifty million pounds, and the fee spent on Naby Keita, according to LFChistory.net, was fifty-two point seven five mil. So you are both correct. So that is four each as we head into the seventh question. Oh, it's going to be more tense. Games as captain, sorry, sorry, sorry. Games as captain. There's both of them. Games as captain. So games as captain by Jamie Carragher, or the games as captain by James Milner. A Carragher. B, Milner. I can't reveal there was five between them. It's very close, this one. Okay. I think I've got my answer. It's because Henderson's more like... injury-prone than Gerard was. <laughs> I am... I can't, I can't uh, find anything. So it was A, Milner B. So, yeah, Jamie Carragher A, James Milner B. Okay, I think I've got that. Okay, let's have a look. Steve has gone B, Farrell's gone B, you've both gone the same. So Jamie Carragher was 93 games, James Milner, 88. So oh. Carragher was correct. So you oh, both said no. that, didn't you? Did you both say Milner? Yeah. No, we said Milner. Both said Milner. Okay, so that's still four all as we head into Oof. game number eight. Sorry, question number eight of the game, of, of ten. So... Games refereed, this is Liverpool games, Liverpool games refereed by Pierre-Luigi Colina or the mm-hmm. penalties missed by Michael Owen. <laughs> That's quite obscure, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, how's your name, Pierre-Luigi Colina? 
knowledge from the pool. No, dude. And you might know. This is this is is one of those, isn't it? I I don't think anyone actually knows this. If anyone actually knows this piece of trivia, please, please, (laughs) you know, (laughs) chuck us a bone in the comments. (laughs) An answer. Yeah. Okay. You ready, final? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it, go okay, for it. So, let's have a look. You've got a B and an A, or there's a split. So, the game's refereed by Pierluigi Colina was three, and the penalties missed by Michael Owen, ten. Oh, my God. I'm assuming he was taking off penalty duties, Christ. Yeah, I think on his 11th one, yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, question number nine, stays in the lead by one point. Get them both right, Steve, one. Um, so, next one. Is the clean sheet by Pepe Reina or goal scored by Luis Suarez? I like Alex seeing the cogs turn in your brain. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got it. Farrell, are you ready? Yeah, I think I'm ready, yeah. Okay, let's have a look. Okay, two A's. So, clean sheets by Pepe Reina, 177. Goal scored by Luis Suarez, 82. Correct, Pepe Reina, both of you. So, it's 6 5 until the last question. All on you, Steve. Yeah, don't mess it up. Well, we have a. Uh, a there is a, a tiebreak. Um, there is a tiebreak. There's a tiebreaker. Oh. Um, right, so, last question. Games managed for Liverpool by Jurgen Klopp and games managed for Liverpool by Rafa Benitez. Ooh. It was a lot closer than I expected to be. But which way is it? <laughs> oh, first. So A is Jürgen Klopp, B, Rafa Benitez. Okay, I think I've got my answer. He's put the pressure on you, Steve. <laughs> room for error. Unless Farrell's messed up, then there is room. Unless I messed up, it's all <laughs> A is Rafa and B is Jürgen A is Klopp B is Rafa A Klopp okay. B is Rafa okay. I think I've got Both it Both ready okay. Let's have a look yeah, ready. Go on. Oh yeah uh, So no matter what It doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway You've both gone for B So Jürgen Klopp Has managed 381 games For Liverpool Rafa Benitez 350 So what's Jürgen Ooh. Klopp You're both wrong Oh but, with six out of ten, Steve, you are the winner. Farrell, you're on the losing side again. Oh, it hurts. Um, it hurts so much. Congratulations, Steve. Congratulations, Steve. Thanks, and everyone, for playing. The latest Pete quiz. Well, congratulations again, Steve. I'll be sure to update uh, the leaderboards after this. Uh, I think that's, <laughs> that's a sound way to end the latest Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, we've had Peter Kenny Jones, Steve Carlson. I've been your host, Farrell Keeling. Thanks for watching and take care.